With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And, Brett, I think maybe the best way to explain what happened with Arizona football last Saturday is that Arizona football played as good as their uniforms looked. And what I mean by that is not horrible, you know, but still disappointing. That's that's a that is a long path to walk back to the conversation that we had during the game that we watched <laughs> together. <laughs> and a, and a long, I mean, like you had a higher expectation, like oh, I mean, this you know it could have been better, but it also could have been much worse. Yeah, uh, what is it? It's better to win ugly than lose pretty. <laughs> yeah, and there's really any time you can go on the road, especially in a conference game, and win, you don't apologize for that, right? Like that. We have to get that out of the way right off the bat. Like you don't ex- you don't feel bad about winning twenty one twenty in Palo Alto, but Arizona. We were hoping to see a more mature team, a team that would go out there and take care of business against a lesser opponent. And I think it was pretty clear throughout the game. Arizona was the better team. They just didn't play like it, and it was way too close. And Arizona needed to do way too much and just hung on in this one. Like in a game they should have probably won by three touchdowns, they won by a single point. Well. <laughs> Let's give Stanford a little bit of credit. They executed when they needed to. They picked up a lot of long third downs because they had long third downs because Arizona's defense was both great in generating negative plays and then awful in terms of getting the stop on third and you know eight or longer. Right. Which happened, I think there was what uh, five or five or six or seven conversions. Some in the you know well into the double digits. Well, not well into, but you know longer than ten yards that Stanford was converting on. They they gained a lot. You know, it, it was that the whole game felt just a bit off from mm-hmm. Arizona's perspective. Um, you know, there's and there's a there's definitely a, you know, a glass half full and glass half empty take to that game. If you want to look at it, because, you know, the optimistic take would be, hey, that had the opportunity to be go to go the the way of Cal on the road last year in a game they should have won. And it's, you know, they didn't. And that's the difference between, you know, maybe last year's team and this year's team. Uh, but the pessimist says, boy, Arizona played, looked good in some respects, but just had a large enough volume of mistakes and not even disastrous mistakes, just like giving up the third downs. Uh, Jaden Delora inexplicably scrambling back 30 plus yards. Like I, you know, it works in my Madden 98 franchise mode with Mike Vick as quarterback, but it doesn't work in the real world very well. You know, but there wasn't, you know, a ton of turnovers, uh, but there wasn't turnovers forced. It was kind of just a, 
a strange game. Um, you know, right down to <laughs> Jacob Cowing catching the kickoff and running out of bounds instead of fair catching it and putting Arizona in a bad <laughs> field position with, you know, if they don't get a first down, things could have gone sideways. Yeah, and maybe that's where, I mean, if you want to be an optimist, you say Arizona, they dealt with injuries. They didn't play a good game overall. And I want to say the defense played fine, but no, they gave up a lot of third down conversions, especially. It's kind of like you say, good job forcing a third and long. Like that's part of it, but you got to finish, right? You got to get the ball back after that. And they didn't do that. So it wasn't a great defense performance. So they got a few sacks, a lot of tackles for loss in this game should have had their first interception to Davis had an interception. That he was called for pass interference. That was not a great call, which directly led to seven points for Stanford. So that's part uh-huh. of it, right? So you can say Arizona, you can't say they played a good game in really any facet, but at the same time, they battled through injuries. They battled through not playing a good game and won on the road. Now, is that a sign of their growth? Is it a sign of the talent disparity that they had in this game? The talent advantage, probably, where they could play a bad game and beat Stanford on the road. And I guess that says something about where the program's at, that there is enough talent, just raw talent and depth on this team to withstand these injuries and to beat a bad team on the road. Like That's a good thing, right? You feel good about that. But for Arizona, especially as they're about to embark on this gauntlet of a schedule, you wanted to see more. Like Nothing that happened in this game makes you think Arizona's going to win six games this season. right? Do you see three more wins the way they played last Saturday? I don't. And I was hoping to. And again, Stanford's not a barometer, right? Stanford's not the best team, and maybe there's some sense of, like, they talk about how they had to bring their own energy because it was going to be a weird crowd, listless crowd, and it was. And just everything about it was just strange going up to Palo Alto and playing. But still... If Arizona had gone out there and won 35-13, to 13, you'd be like, okay, the offense got going. The defense put its foot down and did everything it was supposed to do. None of that happened. And now you, have, of course, have an issue with a quarterback. You don't know if Jay and Delora is going to play. Even if he was healthy, you don't know if he should play and all that drama. But just a win is a win is a win. Arizona's 3-1 and one now, and their season's not off the rails. If they would have lost this game, it would have been absolutely off the rails because this is one they had to get if they were going to get to six this season. But it's just... Yeah, it's wholly uninspiring in the ways that would make you feel good about what's to come. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on some of the, you know, the the bad news is what Jaden Delora, Michael Wiley, Traden Stukes, Justin Flo, Justin Flo all went out during the game. But the good news is, like you mentioned, and why, you know, I spend pretty much every week harping on the, the importance of depth in college football. And this is why, and even, you know, the fact that they can win on the road against a, you know, a mediocre at best Stanford team is still a win on the road. And that depth showed up, you know, no Fafita looked very capable in his, in his, you know, four passing attempts, four for four, got us, you know, moved the ball. Well, it was, it was an effective showing, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> Not that Arizona needs to have a quarterback controversy, which adds a whole level, other level of, you know, complication there. But, you know, it's, I don't know, especially in, 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 in college football is weird. I don't know how much you can glean from this game. You know, there's, there's not, I still don't think we know what Arizona's floor is. I still don't think we know what Arizona's ceiling is. Would you, would you like them to look better at it? Sure. Can can this be lessons learned that they build upon? Definitely. It can it make be. them? Can it? Can it make a? You know, it makes me think that you know we talked last week about it's a test for maturity on this team, and I think they you know maybe barely passed you know with a low grade on that front. But the flip side to that is as you're entering the gauntlet, maybe a slightly immature team that barely passed that test 
needs a wake up call to know that you need to bring it, you know, every play of every game, um, which you'd like to think they wouldn't have to have that. But, you know, you're talking about 18 to 20 but something year olds. That would imply like maybe it's effort or focus. And I'm not sure that was it. Right. Because like there's something about the offense, especially that's just been off all season. We've seen it now. They got enough against NAU to block kick block field goal for a touchdown helped spark them there. Obviously, the second half or after the first like quarter against Mississippi State was better, right? And then you have the UTEP game where they ran the ball really well. But just they haven't had whatever it was that was last year's offense. The big plays down the field, just the sharp passing game. They had a couple games that didn't go well for them, but even then the offense was never the problem last season in terms of putting up points and putting up yards. And you could argue that they, I remember I wrote something back to the Cal game that I blamed the offense because they needed to keep scoring, but only because we knew last year's offense could keep scoring. This year's mm-hmm. offense hasn't had that same vibe. Now, I know there's been fewer possessions. That's been talked about. Judd Fish, I think, every game said they thought they'd have like six possessions in the second half of this game. Against Stanford, they only had like three, three or four. And if you look mm-hmm. at it that way, well, they scored on half their possessions. That's pretty good. So is it the clock issue? Is it there's not scoring as fast? They're not getting out the field? Whatever it is, maybe they're not going to look like they did last year because college football is slightly different. But you can see just... It's with Delora. Maybe it all goes back to the quarterback. Just something has been missing, that spark, that spurt ability, those big plays that you know when they get the ball, they're going to go score points. They don't have that right now. It's just been a grind, it seems like, more often than not, where it's like, okay, maybe this drive works out, or maybe they get that third down conversion, or something works out for them because it's just harder than it needs to be. Well, it, 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 it feels to me like... I don't, I, I don't think that things are materially different are materially different than last year. Like I don't think uh, Lonius Craig is as big of a drop off as from Dorian Singer was last. year. But he year. hasn't done much either. No, but he's has he been a, a mild disappointment so far? Maybe mildly. I think it's almost a little unfair to him to some extent. But like, you know, Tanner McLaughlin's not. He had a couple big plays in this game, but like had a touchdown. Some, he had some had some games where there hasn't been targets, and then like you know. There's just missed. There's enough stacking of small mistakes that add up. You know, in in football, if you have, you know, if you're really great eighty percent of the time and make mistakes twenty percent of the time, you're gonna lose most games. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, just like if you have an eighty percent starting lineup of stars and forty and twenty percent uh, that are that are weaknesses, they're gonna get exposed. Right. And so, like, I I feel like on the offensive side that's kind of what's happening and it kind of rotates who's just a little, little off, whether it's, you know, Jacob Cowing having, you know, inexplicably inconsistent games and, and, and some drops. Jane Delora obviously is the full experience of, of hot and cold. Um, you know, I would have liked to see T Mac get more catches in that, in that Stanford game. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure how many targets he had beyond the four catches he had. Uh, you know, it's just, there's something just, it's like there's a rotating collection of just errors right and then a, a similar thing happens with less um frequency but more more severity i feel like on the defensive side like and some of it's not even the defense's fault like you know in that game there was plenty of missed third down stop opportunities but then like also you know that interception that should have probably been in the end zone that changes the dynamics of the game pretty dramatically yeah, I think that was a third down a play that turned into a touchdown like on the next play yeah so that's a that's a you know pretty big swing and a momentum swing beyond just the points. 
So, and, you know, even some of the play calls, some of them have been great. You know, we talked about, I think half of Twitter was talking about, like, that they were setting up a JDL poll on a run, and then he got a, t- a touchdown untouched. And it's like, he probably could have had that touch a touchdown run from 80 yards out as well as eight yards out if they had done the play it. Play calling always looks better when the players execute as well. That's just, yeah. So well, there are sometimes there's bad play calls when you're calling double reverse passes down the field for no reason at all. But generally <laughs> speaking, it's a matter of execution. But that's not to say there aren't a handful in the game where Jed Fisher looking to say, well, I did not put my players in position to succeed. And maybe the game plan was weird. Maybe they saw something different from Stanford than they were expecting in this one where what they went in thinking they were going to be able to do, they couldn't do. Like I don't know enough about that. And we can kind of pivot, I think, Brett, to the big conversation, which has been Jaden Delora, as long as we're talking about the offense here, mm-hmm. is that he left it, I think it was like the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, he got hurt and he didn't play again. And I think speculation is like a high ankle sprain, which would be a few week injury. You're not playing. And maybe with, I think they got two games coming up before the bye week. And then it's like, maybe you put him in after that. That's like three weeks off, four weeks off. Of course, that includes Washington state. That'd be a bummer for him to miss that game. We'll see. Jed Fish and his press conference didn't have any update or he didn't reveal any update. Mm-hmm. And I imagine we probably won't, won't find out about <laughs> who's playing quarterback Saturday against Washington until the players come out for warmups and Jaden Delores in street clothes or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But let's just for argument's sake and for discussion's sake, say that Delora is healthy, healthy enough to play healthy at all. There's a lot of people who think Noah Fafita should be the starting quarterback going forward. I'm not one of those people, but I understand Jay and Delora had a bad game against him. Not, I mean, it wasn't he didn't turn the ball over. <laughs> he threw one ball that should have been intercepted. It was a, one of the dumbest throws I've ever seen. But he didn't turn the ball over threw a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. His completion percentage was down from what had been all season. He played a bad game, not a disastrous game. And mm-hmm. there's this thought that, well, if he doesn't get hurt, if Fafita doesn't come in, Arizona doesn't win that game. Like, come on. What are we doing here? They would have a whole quarter to score a touchdown, as it turned out. And I don't think Fafita did anything Delora couldn't do. Now, he might have done some things Delora wouldn't have done. But I still think they could have won the game with Jay and Delora had he not gotten hurt. But there is certainly that sense that something's been off with Delora now through basically four games. And there's a lot of people who think, Give the backup a chance. Give the highly rated commit, you know, recruit a chance and see what he can do, especially if he goes four for four and looked fine in what they were asking him to do and leading them back to a win. I I understand that perspective. Um, and like if Delora is anything other than like 95% healthy, then he sits. Then, then he sits. Like, it's almost the, a perfect the, scenario too for a coach, I think, at that point. Yeah, I you know, it's the the most popular guy on a fo- college football roster is almost always the backup quarterback, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it's like you only see him most of the time in mop up duty. You know, this was not mop up duty. This was go help witness the game duty. And, First meaningful snaps well. Fafita's had as a college player. Yeah, and you know, he he did well. He acquitted himself quite well, mm-hmm. as um, good as you could have hoped. You know, that's that. That being said, there's. A reason why Jaden Delora was a starter. There was talk in the you know last year in camp, uh, you know, eighteen months ago, in like sp- the spring football and fall camp, uh, there was talk about how JDL and Fafita were actually really close, and then it clicked for JDL and it, he kind of seized the starting spot from there. And then this camp in in spring, this most recent one, we kind of heard the opposite. We heard JDL was the clearly starter, and like there's these coaches generally know what they're doing. The and the the other. There's there's an intangible factor there that if you're going to make that move like not based on injury, 
there's there's a lot of you know do you, you want to win the battle and lose the war kind of thing there's or, no going or, back if you make that move for performance it's it's yeah it's real it's it, it, it is very hard to go back and um and i don't know what people think of like in the locker room what the players think of Jaden delora like there's, I think there's all these rumors that maybe people like Fafita more, and that's possible. No, Fafita seems like a really great, likable guy. And, of course, he's yeah. best friends with a few of the team's most important recruits, some of their better players. But I don't think there's anything been about Delore being a bad guy in the locker room or the players not liking him or not responding to him either, other than, I guess, maybe Dorian Singer last year in that one game. But Singer's not here anymore, right? Like mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. And that's a lot of people like to speculate, oh, that maybe the players don't like Delore, so they don't play hard for him. You know, there was a lot more energy when Fafita came in the game. Really? I mean I'm not I'm not that guy. I mean maybe there's something there's, that I'm not seeing, but I, I'm not I'm not there. But if you make the decision because you think Delora wasn't playing well, you can't go back to him if Fafita struggles. And that's the problem because now you're saying now you created a real quarterback controversy and it's uh-huh. showing that you don't trust either of them. So I I think for Fish the best thing is if Delora say, you know what, you're not hundred percent, you sit. I guess if Fafita goes out there and plays great and leads you to wins, or you're competitive, you're putting 40 points up against Washington, you're like, okay, like, until JDL's healthy, 100% healthy, it's Fafita's show. And then by the time Delora's healthy, then you have a decision to make if Fafita's rolling, sure. But there's also an equal likelihood, if not greater likelihood, that Fafita goes out there and is at best fine, but certainly not good enough to win you games against these elite Pac-12 programs. And you say, well, Delora has gone toe-to-toe with Michael Penix you know, before. He has gone toe-to-toe with Caleb Williams before. He's probably the best option for them going forward. Yeah, and I, so, you know, I, I, even, I am guilty of noticing that on the drive that Fafita came in that the offense seemed a little bit more focused. But is that because Fafita came in or because, hey, guys, we're down. The game yeah. is on the line. Like you're down you a know, few. You, you have the ball near midfield. This is your opportunity. There's some, yeah. There's there's probably some ascribing causality there for people that are wish casting that to be the causality because it backfills what they, they, they say they want. Certainly. Um, And it's, you know, even if I, I, I'm confident to say that most of the locker room probably loves Noah Fafita. Um, because he's just that likable of a guy and is best friends with, you know, all the Cerebite guys to, at a minimum. Right. Um, but that's, that's also, there's almost like a backhanded implication there that not everybody is friends with or best friends with JDL, which I just don't believe in. Well, I'm sure that's true though. Not everyone's going to be best friends with everybody in a locker room. Sure. There's going to be personalities that don't jive. There's going to be people like, Hey, I like that guy more as a person. Doesn't mean you're not going out there and playing your ass off and doing everything you can to win for that guy or playing with him. Delora's done a good job of spreading the ball around. I imagine T-Max enjoyed coming up you know, with a great start to the season. Jacob Cowing, obviously, last year put together a monster season with Delora. So I just, people will see what they want to see in body language. They'll see what they want to see. They'll mm-hmm. read into everything what they want to read into it. And it's possible the discussion of Delora versus Fafita is a moot point right now that Delora is going to be hurt. It is a high ankle sprain, which is, what, three to five weeks maybe. And you don't rush back, especially for a quarterback who needs his mobility. And maybe the decision's made for Jed Fish, and he's not going to have to announce, yeah, well, until Jaden's healthy, he's not playing. And then you let Fafita, and hopefully Fafita goes out there and plays great, that he's a gamer, that maybe he's the type of player who doesn't do as well in practice, but you put him on the field, he knows the offense, he just knows how to make plays, does what is asked of him, but can do more than just manage a game. And people say game managers like it's like, like a disservice. Like There's something to be said for just running the offense, getting the ball to your playmakers. We want that from Delora, but... Yeah. The thing that Delora has proven so far that Noah Fita has not is an ability to do more than that. The ability to basically win you a game. 
or to keep up with these great quarterbacks. And maybe Fafita can. The only thing, he, he hasn't done it because he hasn't had a chance to do it. But that's what people are forgetting, that, yes, he was good in the 4-for-4 four for, four for 47 yards, led a touchdown drive, a lot of running in that game. He made a couple of throws. I think there was a third down or a second down on the last drive where they're trying to clinch it. He made some good throws. He did everything that was asked of him, avoided the rush, even ran, scrambled for a little bit. But do we forget what Delora did last season? Do we forget that he was Pac-12 freshman the other year before that? Right, He's slightly more proven than people want to give him credit for. Not to say he hasn't been as sharp, because he hasn't been great. Has he been awful this season? No, he hasn't been. But he can be better. We've seen him be better. We don't yeah, know look, what Fafita can be. Look at UCLA game last year, Jaden Delora, without him performing. The game in Washington where Arizona could yeah. have won. The game against USC at home where Arizona was in it at the end because Delora was making plays. When I, I think back to some of our podcast pats, past Adam, um, some from years ago when we when in, in Jed Fish's first year, when you know the quarterback play, we would have you know killed a man for uh, any of the quarterbacks on our current roster because they were materially better than what was there. And we'd talk about you know to your point of game game manager, like I think it's more about who will execute the offense. Uh, you know, seamlessly in terms of execution. I think that's what Noah Fafita does. Cause like in, in year zero, uh, AKA year one of Jed fish, you remember we used to talk about, Hey, the receiver was open. The play was there. We just didn't have a guy that could deliver the ball. Yeah. Um, we have, we have that, you know, at least times two right now. And maybe Fafita is the more consistent at executing the offense. But like we talked about, uh, we could go with Brian Peterson, um, you know, is JDL your best chance to win in this gauntlet? Because he has that that gunslinger mentality. He has that X factor that when he's on, you can you. And can he has the a, experience. He's played these yeah. teams before. Yeah, it's you know, I still maintain that he is Arizona's most like best best option to have the highest likelihood to win against all these ranked teams, mm-hmm. right? I think I I mean, there's even an argument to be made that. A Noah Fafita is better against on like a road game against an inferior team like, like a Stanford, Stanford, yeah, because he's not gonna he's not gonna lose it for you. Um, we don't think, and you might we don't and think. You might, well, yeah, and you might win, um, you know, more than by one point. Uh, but also, you know, he may he may not get you what you need to do against uh, a USC, a Stanford, or a, a, a you know a UCLA, a Washington. Uh, let alone like you know Oregon looked awesome last weekend, and they look a little frightening. Um, well, everyone doesn't play them, fortunately, this season. They get every oh, other great sh- team in the conference. <laughs> oh, oh sh- yeah, well. Oh, oh, my kingdom to play Cal this year. It would help got Stanford instead. And, and you know what, Adam? We got the win. That's right. And that's, and that's the funny thing. It's kind of to put a bow on what happened. Like Arizona, there's a lot that you could feel not so good about from that win. But the key words are also from that win. And... Mm-hmm. Where do they go forward? Obviously, tougher games, tougher opponents. And who's going to be the quarterback? We'll find out Saturday against Washington. But same thing with running back, right? Michael Wiley got hurt. But I think most people are pretty comfortable with Jonah Coleman, DJ Williams, Speedy Luke there. Like, that's Mm -hmm. obviously their most deep position on the team, if not one of the deeper groups in the country in terms of quality running backs. Although Michael Wiley is a very good player. Hopefully he's healthy enough to play because Arizona's going to be playing these really good teams who are going to pose a big challenge. So... Who the quarterback is, we'll find out Saturday. But, Brett, let's take a break, and when we come back, 
We're going to talk with Mark Schaefer of UWDogPound.com to get a look at Arizona's opponent, the really scary Washington Huskies. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are joined by Mark Schaefer of UWDogPound.com to help preview Arizona's game against Washington this weekend. And I know, Mark, maybe, I mean, you follow Washington. You cover them a little bit here. I think it was probably Arizona fans who, before the season started, like, hey, Washington doesn't travel to the desert well. They find a way to lose games to opponents they shouldn't lose to. This could be winnable. Then Arizona's coming off an uninspiring game against Stanford. Washington looks great and I think people have kind of reassessed that but welcome to the show Washington's playing some pretty good football these days yeah they they really are I mean this offense just looks like one of the best if not the best I've ever seen and that includes 2019 LSU now the question that they're going to hope to answer with this game against Arizona going forward is whether or not it's sustainable and uh I just thank god we're not going down to Tempe I was going to say, I I know Brett and I have talked that Washington went to Tempe last year and lost to a bad ASU team. This Arizona team is better than that ASU team. With no coach, they're like third string quarterback, and they lost that game. And I think ASU won three games. It was their last win of the season was against Washington. It made no sense. But I would imagine that that loss probably helps Washington go into this game, understanding that you can't take anyone lightly. You're going on the road that you need to bring it because you can be beat by anybody. And that's what I think the staff has done a good job of. Like coming into the Michigan State game, you're thinking, oh, Mel Tucker's not going to be there because he's suspended. It's an interim head coach. This could be a trap game for him. But then they come out and they just catch fire. So you can that really, I think that really speaks to the level of preparation these guys have. Like any opponents, just like they're going to attack and they're going to be aggressive. Yeah, it's you know it's funny, Mark. I happened to be in Seattle and got some cheap tickets to go to part of the opening uh, game. I was there for the first quarter against Boise State, and <sighs> I it's it's funny because I watched that first quarter. I'm like, hey, I thought Washington was going to be really good, but they look a little out of sorts and they look beautiful. Like, and then I and then I left like, and it's been the, the complete guys opposite. That they're saying it's the best <laughs> offense in the country. <laughs> Yeah, I, I left, and uh, I think I even tweeted something like, hey, I'm there for a quarter. They look beatable, and I've looked really <laughs> stupid since then. Because as expected, you know, Michael Penix is uh, – he's an NFL quarterback having a fantastic season, you know, a Heisman-level kind of season. The wide receiver room we know is great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but you, you, you're you closer to the team. You you know what's going on on their roster and how they're executing. What, what position groups or what players have maybe – 
been a, a positive surprise for Washington so far and key to their success? I think early in the year, uh, Dylan Johnson transferred from Mississippi State, the running back. He did not look great at all. It's like he came out and wasn't healthy because he had a knee injury when he was at Mississippi State. And um, he did not look healthy during the first two games. But he sat out the Tulsa game, and then he came back during Michigan State. And he was awesome. <laughs> it's just like, this looks more like the guy we thought we were going to get. So now we got to see if he can continue that. But as you said, the quarterback and the wide receivers are really where this offense is going to thrive and get most of their points from. You know, the cool thing is Dylan Johnson faced Arizona last season with Mississippi State, only had 60 yards on 11 carries and 34 yards on six catches. So he actually did some of the least amount of damage if any of their running backs had faced Arizona last season. But mm-hmm. I think going into this one, like, is it is it a situation where just teams can't keep up with Washington? Because obviously their offense has been unreal, but how's their defense? The defense has been kind of a surprise because last year it was like this defense was not great at all. And there was some, there were some reasons for that. The secondary really banged up. Uh, and plus it's just the first year of a new coaching staff and some of the guys that were there that like, they weren't used to playing in the system. This four two five, I think they run. Uh, but now you can see like they're being a lot more aggressive. They're flying the ball. They're fast. They're, the secondary guys are getting their hands on more interceptions. I mean, there was a stat. Uh, we had seven interceptions all of last year. We have seven through four games. That's seven so, where Arizona has. So, Yeah. <laughs> Great. This this sounds like a fun one. What do you think, Brett? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm flashing back to last year when Arizona was pretty competitive. And, you, you know, you talked about a little bit, Mark, that, you know, one of the ways that you could kind of try to keep up with Washington last year was the passing attack, and Arizona's offense was clicking there. But it's, is, it, is it safe to say that 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 kind of softness in the secondary has been resolved this year? Maybe. I mean, we got Jabbar Muhammad, great, great cornerback. Uh, honorable mention all Big 12 last year. He's just been like that kind of that kind of sticky defensive back that Washington had been missing because of uh, injury or whatever last year. But then there are some guys like Dom Hampton, really good tackler. Uh, Edifuano Lafoscio, uh, very aggressive. Uh, ZTF's very aggressive. I wouldn't count out Braylon Trice. So, yeah, just all, all of those guys just make a difference. It seems like now, just looking at the stats, like we're used to really good Washington defenses other than last season, but when Arizona would face yeah. Washington, they always had a really strong, stingy defense. Only five sacks so far this season. Is the pass rush, is it, because I imagine teams are throwing against Washington quite a bit, so is the pass rush maybe not as strong as we're used to seeing? It's really weird because, like, if you look at the, if you look at what we're actually doing on defense, we're getting to the quarterback. They're just not, they're just getting the ball out fast, and maybe that's where most of the mistakes are happening to allow for those interceptions. I don't know, but I would say that the pass rush is doing their job, even though the stats don't show it. Okay, that's true. You can get, I mean, pass rush's job is to fluster the quarterback, even if you don't get the sack, if you're forcing early throws that are off time, off course, right. and that's how you get interceptions. So, okay. So it's not as simple to say, oh, well, they only have five sacks. They don't get after the quarterback. They're still getting it's, after the quarterback. It's the same thing with Braylon Trice. I mean, I think uh, the defensive coordinator, William Inch, said that people are still game planning for him, even though he's been quiet. So that's probably why. Like the impact is there, even if the stats aren't showing it. Yeah. Great. 
<laughs> I was trying to find a weakness, you guys. I really was. And that was that's what Be I came up with. Very afraid, Adam. <laughs> well, uh, if there's one thing I know, it's that Adam is usually wrong. So now I expect a, a, a much more likely Arizona upset uh, based on his his lack of confidence. Um, yeah, and it it tracks for down there historically. So yeah, so you know. Uh, I, Mark, I'd love to get your perspective as somebody that's watching, you know, from afar. Like you probably aren't watching Arizona games like we are, but you probably have a sense of what's going on, uh, you know, in terms of the the perception of the Arizona program from the UW perspective, and you know, the players and coaching staff, the local media, the fan base. What 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 would you say is the vibe of uh, the Washington uh, clan heading into this game in, in terms of what they think uh, when they think of with Arizona football today? Well, for one thing, we know who your guys' quarterback is, right? Maybe. We don't even know who the quarterback is this weekend. Well, not this, not this weekend, but uh, historically, we know who your guys' quarterback is because he planted the, fly, planted the WSU flag on a 50-yard line at Husky <laughs> Stadium. Uh, but I think with when you're talking about both the Arizona schools, it's just like I can hear the collective, oh, here we go from Husky fans. It's just like, we got to go down there. Well, <laughs> I, just... even two years ago, Arizona, last time Washington went to Tucson, that was a game against Arizona won a game all season. I know Washington wasn't as good that year. I think they ended up, I forget who the coach was, the guy who got fired. That, at the end that of the was uh, but, the Jimmy Lake. Second yeah. year of the Jimmy Lake era. And it was not a pretty game, but Arizona probably should have won. If not for one of their patented screen passes that gets intercepted, Arizona probably steals that game. They didn't, but it was just a lot closer than it should have been. It was a game a bad Arizona team should have won, so it's not unheard of that Arizona, who is three and one, and they've won five games last season. They've supposedly improved. I mean, we th- I mean, we watched them enough. They their defense is better than it's been in a long time, and the offense hasn't quite clicked. But there's playmakers, there's skilled talent all over. It's not unheard of or unreasonable to think Arizona can compete and maybe steal this game based on historical precedent and the way the roster looks. At the same time. Washington looks as absolutely dominant this season where Arizona doesn't. Is that, I mean, from your perspective, is that like kind of comforting going to this and saying, okay, they're not going to take Arizona lightly and come on, Arizona's playing like that and Washington's playing like this. I mean, it is a little bit comforting uh, to see that last week against Cal we put up 50 points before, I think before halftime. So, and Cal historically has had really good defenses under Justin Wilcox. So that is just a mark of like how prepared the offense is, how prepared the defense was. So we're not going to take anybody like That's but a shame. I am kind of a little bit scared of Arizona because, so, histor- because of historically uh, the Huskies have not done well in against the Arizona schools on the road. They've done yeah. better. I don't know exactly what the numbers are, uh, but they've done better at home. But I think with the way this team is going right now, we got Jalen McMillan back, great wide receiver. I think it's going to be at least a couple touchdowns. That's what the betting lines are saying, at least a couple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, knowing the the Washington roster like you do, if if Arizona is to be competitive and have a chance in this game, what what do you think is uh, Arizona's best shot of 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 making this game competitive and having a chance to win? Are there are position groups that you think can be attacked 
is there is there certain kind of approaches you think you can do or is it just you know Arizona just needs to catch some some lightning in a bottle and maybe have a couple breaks come their way I would say force us to run but uh last week we did really good running the ball so I don't know about that um but I think our secondary is kind of banged up again, so maybe try to attack in the air, turn it into a shootout like you did last year. But even at that, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of – I I really don't know. I, I think that's kind of where a lot of people are at, though, is just the way Arizona has looked inconsistent at worst, maybe pretty good at best. The hope is that the defense has improved enough, but again, like even their defensive improvements, it seems like Washington's on another level offensively, so I can only take them so far. It's going to be, can Arizona's offense keep up? And so far through four games, they've shown little indication that they could. Um, before we let you go, Mark, we always ask our guests for like a score prediction, just what you're thinking. I know you said you think it's going to be at least a couple of touchdowns probably, which way to go out on a limb and think that Washington's going to blow out Arizona. But as you look at this game, I mean, it is in Tucson, a place where Washington has had its struggles. Like what, what do you see happening? Where does this game go? I think it's going to be a lot like last year. It's going to be a shootout. So Michael Penix and Jaden Delora both go back and forth for a little while, but then, the defense, as the defense is done, is going to get a, a little bit of a stop, or a few stops, I should say. And uh, they're going to frustrate Jaden Delore because some of the guys there, they know they know this guy and they hate this guy. Um, so they're going to get a few stops, and I think Washington's going to pull away. I think it's going to be 52-35. Now, really quick, though, what if Delora doesn't play? Does Washington maybe hate Arizona a little less and ease up on Noah Fafita? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I think it, I think they're still going to be attacking and aggressive on defense like yep. they've been all year. <sighs> well, and we hope I'm, have I'm fun. sorry. I'm sorry. Um, or if this prediction proves wrong, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, mean, we, I always feel bad like our predictions are usually wrong too. So, you know. We'll see, but we appreciate, we hope you're wrong on the prediction, but I understand why you would make it so, like why you would make that prediction. I don't think it's, it's not too arguable based on mm -hmm. the evidence that we have and how these teams are playing. Right. But Mark Schaefer, uwdogpound.com, it's the SB Nation site for Washington. We appreciate the time. And yeah, hopefully it's a competitive game. Hopefully it's a fun game, uh, a late night game down in the desert, but we appreciate your time. All right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, that's Mark Schaefer. When we come back, we'll give you our final thoughts on Arizona, Washington, the likely bloodbath. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.1. Thanks again to Mark Schaefer of UWDogPound.com for that insight into Washington. Brett, I think if anyone was hoping you'd come on and say, well, here's Washington's weakness. Here's the flaw. Here's how you beat them. You didn't get that. And that's fair because nothing we've seen from Washington this season other than what the quarter or half you saw of them to start the season makes one think that they have any really exploitable weakness. Like it is football, any given game, anyone can win. We know that, but they look really damn good coming into this one. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a very real and strong argument to be made. And I might even agree with it, that Washington is the best team in the PAC 12 and maybe in the country when they're playing their can best. They just go right? to the big 10 already. I think that's just go. <laughs> <laughs> but but also you know that's that's why you play the game yeah. first of all 
um you know if 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 they're gonna try to manufacture some motivation with Jaden Delora clean you know pull a Deion Sanders and claiming this respect from like, planting the flag four years ago and then Jaden Delora doesn't play you know that has a way of deflating that motivational tactic and I'm you know maybe just trying to talk my way into how they're that this game could be you know it's 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 always a challenge on the road we just talked about it on yes. with Arizona on the other side and it's going to be a challenge on the road for them. They're going to travel with fewer guys. That means, you know, there's any type of dinged up injuries and le- probably less rotational depth available as, as home games, you know, not sleep in your bed. There's all these reasons why it's hard to win on the road. Uh, it's also going to be family weekend. I think it's going to be close to a sellout. There's going to be a lot of energy there. And that can, you know, if Arizona comes out and gets a good start, that's the kind of thing that can keep momentum going. Yeah. Um, and I don't and I don't think that Washington is unbeatable. I think they're very good. I think Michael Penix might be the best pure quarterback in in college football. Uh in terms of just like he, he's a guy that is just really effective and accurate and he doesn't necessarily he doesn't necessarily blow you away like uh, like a Caleb Williams can. He kind of reminds me, and I mean this as a compliment, not as an insult. I think he I think he's like Geno Smith, where he's just super like he's just a gamer and accurate makes the plays can make all the throws yeah exactly and like there's so much value to a guy like that but guys like that also make mistakes you know i remember justin herbert inexplicably throwing terrible picks uh, in tucson uh and now i that's one of the reasons i was not convinced he was going to be a great nfl quarterback and i was wrong there because (laughs) i was over indexing to that game yeah well i I think what you're getting at is like nobody should be unbeatable, right? Any given game, anything can happen. You know, Washington gave up 32 points to Cal last week. So their defense maybe can be scored. I don't think Cal's a particularly good offense. I, I do feel that if Arizona's offense had looked better this season, especially better going into this game, if Delore had been healthy and firing at all cylinders, if Stanford was the get-right game, where they went out there and they scored 38 points and Delore threw three touchdowns, four touchdowns, and just everything looked good, they were healthy, you'd be like, okay, maybe this is one they're ready for. Right, they're grown up. They're ready for Washington. It's at home. They'll have family weekend. It'll be basically a sellout, if not a sellout. We're recording on Tuesday. I know they're close to selling out this game. Under the lights, anything can happen with an improved defense. Maybe they get after Penix. They pressure him more than he's been pressured this season. Arizona's front has been getting after the quarterbacks better than we've seen. But just, it feels like we haven't seen Arizona's best game. But I don't know what their best game is anymore. I don't have any sense of that, especially when we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. So, like, is there a world where Arizona wins this game? Sure, it, there is. It's the defense comes out just rolling, gets after Penix, makes his life miserable, and instead of throwing for 300 yards and four touchdowns, he's running for his life half the time. He's getting hit. He's getting knocked down. He's getting forced into throws that he doesn't want to make and when he doesn't want to make them. And then they, the offense can't, you know, keeps up the best it can. But it's a, probably a low-scoring game is Arizona's advantage in this one based on the way they've been playing. But that's a tall order. That's tough to ask of the defense. And it's the defense that's looked better, but they haven't faced an offense this good yet. So, yeah, I don't. I agree. I don't think we've seen Arizona's best game. But I also don't think we've seen Arizona's best game plan from the coaching perspective yet this year. And I think Washington, you know, I've actually been thinking about this a lot, you know, of how do you try to approach this game if you're Arizona? And I think a lot of it is you want to turn their offense into Arizona's offense of last year, which was really good between the twenties. Yeah. And they have to settle for field goals. And I, you know, there's ways to do that. Like I've, I've, 
I've been chewing on this all week and, you know, I'm telepathically sending it to Johnny Nansen and he'll probably do something better because, you know, he's what he, he is a defensive coordinator and I am certainly not. Um, not but, yet. You know, I would, I would do two deep safeties lined up really deep. Uh, if Justin Flo is healthy, I make it real simple. You, you spy the quarterback, you see if there's a run and if there's not, you just, you charge after you, tr- you try to rush a throw. Um, and I think you, you take your big, strong corners and you press on the side and you try to force them to beat you with the run and try to force them, you know, barely change up that and try to make them, you know, settle for dink and dunk passes rather than the big explosive plays. Things that they don't want to do. And, and, and conversely on Arizona's offensive side, I think you want to do the dink and dunk offense and control the ball for as long as You kind of want to shorten the game. Yeah, you want to you want to get the ball, ball out on the sidelines. You want to get you know out of the hand of the quarterback, whoever it is early. I'd like to see and then you know see more of like what we saw against Stanford doing that, and then setting up Tanner McLaughlin in the middle of the field, uh, try to run the ball maybe a little bit more. Um, the more you know, if you can, that that's how I would try to approach it. And you don't want to be completely predictable, but I think Arizona has that ability. And then if you know you got to take your shots occasionally, and they're going to take their shots, and that's where hopefully. You know, the safeties, if they're just playing a deep cover zone and not worry as much on the run protection, you can take away the, the, the big explosive And you have play. your big corners who maybe can get yeah. a hand on a ball and maybe get that first official interception of the season. Like, there's going to be opportunities. Mm-hmm. But I just, I worry, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny, we're four games into the season and I worry about Arizona's offense being able to keep up. You know, going into the season, it would have been like, can the defense improve? We always thought if the defense can just be average, this is a bowl team with the way their offense can play. The defense has been better than average this season, and it's hard to say they look like a bull team because of the way the offense has played. And can that change this game? Yes, it can. I think we were kind of getting to it earlier. Like you're only as good as your next game. Like they, they could look bad against Stanford, come out and just look great against Washington. That's entirely possible, right? Like it's it can happen. There's nothing that says it can't. Like different game plan, different opponent, just different focus. You're at home now. Everything maybe goes in your favor. The bounces go your way. Something goes, and all of a sudden you're scoring 40 points and looking really good doing it. But it's just a lot. To, now, granted, there's a reason why Arizona's, what, an 18-point underdog as we're recording? Like, they are not mm-hmm. supposed to win this game. They are not supposed to mm-hmm. keep it close. <sighs> like, I, yeah. Like, if they're going to win, it's going to be because the defense makes some plays and makes Penix look average, makes him look just good and not great. You know, he's not Heisman Penix. He's, you know. Just not that type of player in he's, this game. He's just first round pick Penix. He's just first. He's late first round pick Penix, right? <laughs> like that. That's he has to. And that's if you get pressure on him in a way he hasn't been pressured. If you get him on the ground, if you're just you know shoving him around back there, if you can take away the running game a little bit. Arizona's run defense has been good, right? If you can do those things and make them one dimensional, then your Taylor Upshaws, your Jacob Manus mm-hmm. can get after him. You know, your blitz package. Like, it's going to be tough. Like it's, But I think Arizona has the horses on defense. They have the players on defense to do a better job against Washington than they did last season. The question is, if the defense can slow them just a little bit, can Arizona's offense elevate its play to the point where it can keep up and make it a really competitive close game? Because, yeah, if you're close into the fourth quarter, if you're within a score one way or the other here, then, yeah, with the way that crowd's going to be, with Washington's history in the desert, you mm-hmm. could – you can make things real tough on them, but you have to be there in the fourth quarter. Well, you, you, you have to execute. You know, I laid out my plan, and like even that, you don't necessarily leave a lot of support in the run game, but if you get a healthy Bill Norton back, he's been a one-man wrecking crew against run games, right? He's not necessarily the quarterback pressure guy, but he can be enough to you know know his assignment. And they can Tyler Manoa. 
down there. Uh, I mean, you know, there's yeah. there. I, I think there's more of a path to victory here than the spread would indicate. Right. Um, I mean, this is like the spread is like, uh, is it bigger than what ours was with UTEP, which I don't yeah. think that's that much of a disparity. And even then, you know, anytime there's a large spread like that, it doesn't make sense. Uh, it, it, I would never want to touch it as a bet. And like, also, and I said this after the, the Stanford game on, on the, the Twitter, the X Twitter machine, I think is the best uh, term for it nowadays. You know, I, this has the vibe to me and this could be completely wrong and, you know, hold me accountable next week <laughs> where Arizona is going to outperform expectations significantly. I'm not saying they're going to win, um, but I think that it's going to be more of a, you know, a, a fight. And I was debating whether I would say a dog fight or a cat fight or, you know, fighting like cats and dogs, but then I would dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Well, we won't be living together very well this weekend um and i i will be at the game with my uw uh, alum wife who will so you won't be living together well this weekend either unfortunately she will probably be ruining the red out um <laughs> but my you know i i don't think daniel hamuli the wrench game here we go there we go that, that's, well, that's the difference right i you know i i really am curious to see how arizona game plans because i think they can take away they can try to take away what Washington does best and make them beat them in a different way and in a road environment. And, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe you need a break or two to go your way. You know, you need Takario Davis to, in press coverage, catch up and tip a pass in the ball into the waiting arms of Gunnar Maldonado, who was nine yards away from making the right play, but was in the right spot at the right time. <laughs> I, I know every Arizona fan is thinking, like, if I'm Washington, I'm attacking number nine. I'm yeah. looking remember, for him remember, back there, and I'm going throwing to whoever he's on. And yeah. I, yeah, until he proves that he can do better, he's. I know he's like pro football focus. Everybody hates pro football focus until they're like, oh, they think Maldonado's been bad. Cool, I got you, PFF. You're my, you're my <laughs> evidence. But no, the eye test shows that he has been struggling. And but that's, you know, Arizona's defense is better, but it's not infallible. They don't have studs all over the field, right? And you can only hide so many. You can't really hide a safety, which makes you wonder to. Can Arizona do better? Like, I wonder what Johnny Nansen, what they've maybe been holding on to for this game, what they're going to employ differently. I remember was it last year it was the North Dakota State game where Jacob Manu finally got out there and it's like, oh, look at what you have here. Right? There's probably some players, maybe a Genesis Smith is going to get more run in this game based on what Washington does. What does Johnny Nansen devise here? It's not just line up and beat the guy in front of you, which they could do against UTEP. They could do against NAU. Like, you have to scheme a little bit in this one. I'm interested to see what he comes up with, but... It is a big spread, and I wouldn't touch it either because, you know, Arizona, there's no pressure on them in this game. <laughs> no one's expecting them to win. Like, they can play that card that they're 3-1, and one, and no one's expecting them to even compete in this one. And maybe it's with their backup quarterback. Just throw, hey, you got nothing to lose in this one, right? Just go out there and play football mm -hmm. and see what happens against a team that the more Washington wins, the more pressure starts to build. And this is a game in a place where they've struggled. It's a game in a place where they have lost games they shouldn't have, and they've had really close games that they shouldn't have had. So does that, if Arizona can keep it close, does that creep into some of these players' minds? You know, do they get a little bit tighter knowing that, oh, God, if we, if we lose this game in Tucson, we're not going to the playoff. You know, we're not winning the Pac-12. Like, yeah, like that's, that's how you win this game. Obviously, it's not genius to keep it close or even have a lead. But just there are some ways that Arizona could steal. And that's what it would be. They'd be stealing this one because they are not supposed to. And there's a reason they're 18-point underdogs. And it's not because people think they have a chance. So 
Anything is possible. Brett, what's your prediction on this one? What do you think? So, like I said, I think Arizona is going to overperform. I think I, I cannot talk my way into an upset, though it would surprise me. Uh, I think, safe to say, it would surprise me less than the general consensus, but that's because the general consensus is basically Jim Carrey doing this. So you're telling me there's a chance with all that one in a million talk. Um, you know, I think I think Arizona is going to lose, but I think they're going to cover. I think they're going to be more competitive than people think. I am going to go with 45 to 34 with a couple of failed drives that end up in two field goals for Arizona. And that's why and that ends up being the difference of not closing on those touchdowns. I got 38, 20. I think, I mean, it's right on the line. I know, but that Arizona's offense does better than it had, you know, maybe with Fafita, just running a different offense, a different style. And I just think Arizona does have too many playmakers offensively. As long as you can get them the ball, they will move the football, but there'll be a couple of drives that end in field goals and the defense will be, they'll equip themselves well. They're not going to be a sieve. They're not going to just be run over and thrown over the entire night. But they're not going to be able to, you know, not going to be able to do enough for an offense that can't keep up. So thirty-eight twenty is my final there. And I guess hopefully we're both wrong in so much that Arizona wins. But either way, it's an interesting game to look at and to try to predict. It's on Pac-12 Network because why wouldn't Pac-12 want, you know, possibly its best team against a three and one team? on a channel that people could see. So, <laughs> and you wonder why the conference is falling, is going away with such great decision-making as that. Hmm. It's a mystery. It really is. <laughs> anyway, moving on from football, that should be an interesting game. Of course, men's basketball, Tommy Lloyd was talking about they had a press conference as the season started. I think the red-blue game, isn't that this weekend? It's Friday. They're not calling it Red Blue Weekend. It's something else they're calling it. But, like, basketball season for men and women has, like, I guess officially begun, which, you know, now we'd have to say just wait till basketball. She's like, it's here. So that's that's neat. Pretty excited for both those programs, what they did. I don't think the Red Blue game is has any ability, even on said network of, of Pac-12. I don't think there's even an ability to watch uh, that game, which is unfortunate. But I do want to call out that Tommy Lloyd seemed to acknowledge that he cut his bench too short last year and called this the deepest team he's ever had which tracks with what we were kind of hope ex, hopes hoping slash expecting um and I, I you know i don't it it tracks with what i think the roster is uh but i'm curious to see how that impacts things once the games get, get for real because yeah. that that non-conference schedule is it ain't no joke and it's easy to talk about extending your lineup and going deeper into your bench before the games start and then when someone like maybe Henry Vasar doesn't come out and play as well as you were hoping he would, or just whatever, I don't want to just pick on Henry Vasar. It's the first thing that came to mind as someone who we thought would have a bigger role last season and did not. But like you play guys who are ready to play. You play guys who can help you win. And you hope, like there's more veteran depth on this team. Like the guys who are coming over from overseas have played high-level basketball. So there's not like the tr- as many true freshmen in that sense that you think of. So maybe they are more ready to play. But there's certainly a deeper yeah. group of players who have, you know the transfers, especially you know, with your Caleb Loves, with your Jaden Brothers, your Kashad Johnsons, guys who have played big time minutes and big time games for big time teams, who you feel like they're going to know what they're, they're going to know what they're doing. They're not going to be intimidated by the moment. They're not going to be you know they're not true freshmen. They're going to come in. That's three guys you're adding who are play, you know plug and play type of players. So I can understand why it is a deeper team. But how deep into that bench time late goes will depend on how many of these guys are actually ready to play and contribute. Yeah, and I I generally trust in Tommy Lloyd, but. 
man, I, he's going to have to explain why he keeps starting Gunnar Maldonado late into <laughs> December. <sighs> it's that time of the show, Adam. I'm getting <laughs> getting a little punchy, I'm getting a little loopy. <laughs> yeah, I, that's all right. Anything he else? He didn't expect another. He didn't expect another Maldonado. No, uh, I thought we made it through without a Maldonado joke. Watch, he just makes a play of the game, game-saving interception or something. He, God, God willing. <laughs> um, other news: Roy Lopez signed with the Cardinals on their active roster. He was with the Texans, but I liked him in the 2020 season. He was one of the good players, one of the good players. There weren't many, but he. I'm glad to see him do it. He was pretty good with the Texans as a rookie, and I don't know why he's not why they got rid of him. But hey. Never hurts to see Wildcats in the NFL. Obviously, the hope is that Jed Fish sends more Wildcats in the NFL going forward, and that's definitely going to be the case starting in the next draft. Um, anything else, Brett? I think that's it, Adam. Cool. Well, we'll finish up the show like we always do. Thanks again to Mark Schaefer at com for joining us. Uh, of course, you want to learn more about Arizona's football's opponent this Saturday. Check that out. dot com. Um, you can find us on the social media, Wildcat Radio AZ. We'll occasionally do a mailbag segment, but if you have any questions you just want us to answer throughout the show, just shoot us a line, and we'll get to it if we see it anyway. I guess no promises on that unless it's a mailbag. Um, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify. Subscribe to us on both of those platforms, but if you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, and we will read that review on the air. Um, but, yeah. I think that's about it. We appreciate y'all listening. Hopefully Saturday's a good game because it would be a really big win and huge step for the program if Arizona can pull it off. But I think a lot of folks would just like to see them keep it close and entertaining just based on expectations, right? Is that fair? I think that's right. All right. So we'll see. But for Brad, I'm Adam. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.